0: Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louie Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged.
1: Four minutes. Four. Four minutes. Four minutes. Four minutes. Four minutes.
0: Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in Tempe, Arizona. And in a way, we started off in West Virginia at the same time. Boy, is there some drama for ASU hoops. Adam Miller transferred from LSU. The NCAA says that's two transfers before graduation. You can't play. Then a federal judge in West Virginia says, you know what? I'm going to block the NCAA from not letting you play, but only for two weeks. So now the ASU Sunday will say he's going to play Saturday against TCU. So then the NCAA says, fine, knock yourself out. He can play. But once we win this case, he'll be ruled ineligible and you shouldn't have used him. And it wipes out a year of eligibility. I still think the NCAA is going to lose, but what a mess. Sun Devils take on TCU on the road Saturday, 7 o'clock. They got one of the best teams in football coming to town. The San Francisco 49ers, Jonathan Gannon, what do you think?
2: about the team man they don't care who gets touches who scores who has a big game like they just want to win that's 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 pretty cool to see and that's why they're where they're at right now you know they're unselfish and when they get their chances they make plays so
0: good work, coach hey for fantasy purposes let christian mccaffrey and brandon Ayuk score as much as they want <laughs> kickoff in glendale two o'clock Suns and Yodes both have two home games over the weekend. Let's start with the Suns. Home against the Knicks tonight, 8 o'clock. Home against the Wizards, Sunday at 6. And they should have Grayson Allen and Eric Gordon. Meaning, for the first time all year, everybody could play. <laughs> A home back-to-back starts tonight. San Jose should whoop their butt at 7 o'clock. And then a Buffalo team that whooped the devil, or the the butt of the Coyotes, comes in Saturday night, face-off 7 o'clock. Wow, is this one huge. U of A, top five Purdue, in indianapolis although that's considered a neutral site we could argue about that tip-off is saturday at 2 30 but here's the catch you have to have peacock network to watch it a streaming service a game like that isn't on regular tv of course if it was on nbc 12 news and you have direct tv like i do you wouldn't be able to see that either i'm on 12 news and i can't even watch myself on television not that i actually do i go to bed GCU takes on Portland coming up tomorrow, 7.30, but it's not on campus. It's downtown at Footprint Center. What just happened? Thursday night football Raiders 63 Chargers 21 the third string quarterback for the Raiders did so well they took him out because it was a blowout to protect him Aiden O'Connell 20 of 34 248 yards four touchdowns no picks Brandon Staley should you continue on as the head coach of the Chargers
3: I know that what I've done here for three years and I know what I've put into this and um I know that we're capable of going. Uh, I know the type of coach that I am. I believe in myself. Um, But again, this isn't about me. This is about a a group that's hurting in there. We got to get some rest and we got to get ready for Buffalo.
0: Some reports say he won't have to get ready for Buffalo. And finally. This one doesn't make any sense. Texas A&M has done an exhaustive study that says, men, if you've been drinking, uh uh-oh your sperm is affected for 60 days after you have your last drink oh yeah and it might end up having your children be more susceptible to different alcohol related diseases sorry kids Jackpot, Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Sivlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls a shirt and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus, at whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass go to unplugged at and feel the wind
4: i'm janelle general manager of bells nashville kitchen aka the whiskey wizard bells isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food we are a scratch kitchen with chef inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of arizona our nashville hot chicken sandwich now the drinks i spend days infusing our own whiskey creations Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about, and drink, our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch.
0: Bell's Nashville Kitchen, on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. I mean, come on, Texas and what, what do you mean? You want me to stop drinking? Two months before conception. Can we not just raise the girls to respect the alcohol? Number two... I would have to assume one of us was intoxicated when either of the kids were conceived. Just a guess. Hi. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Maybe I shouldn't have went that far. You, I don't even know where I am in the open, so let's try it again. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Frost, unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Frost, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises up on Great America City that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, G, e, C, U, the Rattlers, the the A! And the yes, I did. This is Doug Frauds Unplugged presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Thank you. Thank you. That was awful and highly entertaining at the same time. Hi, Jeff, we're production. How are you?
5: I am fantastic, and that was a superb job on the intro. Uh, oh, by the way. thank you. Thank Getting you, yourself thank you. caught up like that.
0: Well, I after throwing out that little intro... It's weird. It's really it's concert week for Jennifer, even though she's had back to back concert week. So during concert week, we don't really see much of Jennifer, to be quite honest. And um, and that's fine, man. That woman, the the sacrifices she has made for the family uh, over the course of, you know, I don't know. I met her 30 years ago. So how, but however long you define family, um, she she's totally earned this to to spend two weeks of of time for herself. But it was it was a Christmas concert in the beginning of december and now it's a whole bunch of handles messiah that goes on and uh, and by the way if you are oh man i don't i opened up my mouth i gotta say it now shoot so i have a general a newly promoted general josh is hardcore listener hardcore and I didn't want him to know something and now but I've already opened it up. So for those of you that don't have the Handels Messiah culture, it's 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 a lot longer than you expect. But then near the end, when they hit what's called the hallelujah chorus, everybody stands. And if it's the and if you don't know that and it's the first time, you there's nothing more out of place in your life where you're sitting there and you've already looked at your watch three times, but if you if you pretend to be holy like I do and you're really not you constantly act like you know what's going on during Handel's Messiah, even though you've already checked out mentally. But you don't want your wife to know you've checked out mentally because she's in front of you singing. And I'm sure that that's not autobiographical at all. And then you, you sit there, and then all of a sudden, everybody around you is standing. And, like, you didn't stand, and then you're like, what, what, what is happening? And you don't know, should I stand? Well, obviously I should because everybody's standing. But you don't want to look like the doofus. So then what you do? is you kind of come up slowly like you've got a bad back, which I do, but uh, I use it for my own purposes when I need to use it as an excuse. Oh, I'm trying. I'm trying. Well, the 90-year-old guy in front of me with the walker jumped right up at Hallelujah of Course. It's the first time he stood up all year. You know, he's jacked up, and here I am. I, can, I act like I can hardly get up. Well, I told Josh's lovely wife, Jennifer, uh, he has a Jennifer too, uh, last week or two weeks ago, Hey, since it's your first, you know, Messiah, let me just tell you, when the Hallelujah Chorus comes out, as soon as you're, oh, said, boom, stand up immediately and look at Josh like he's a loser. She's oh, okay. She's like, she's totally in on this. And then I just said it. <laughs> and now he's going to know. And now he's going to try to stand up before her and then be all impressed. I really wanted him to be busted, and I didn't get to do that. But before Jennifer sings on Sunday, the family's going to, or Saturday, the, the family's going to 100 Mile Brew. So tomorrow I, I'm going to be like, not that you should care. I want you to just go to hundred mile brew tomorrow, but I'm going to be there sometime in the early afternoon hour, somewhere between three and five. So just shoot for around four. If you want to stop by, have a beer, talk for a little bit, but it's, it's their birthday party. It's their one year anniversary. And I would really like the Unplugged Army to give them a great shout out, give them a a great uh, event if you could. But it's not a sanctioned event because I dumped it on you late. And I don't know. I don't want to be confirmed if this is when I'll be here because it's pretty loose. And I don't know how long I'm going to be there. Um, I do have a driver, so I'll be there for a while. So please, please stop by whenever you can make it. If you can get there for lunch, great. If you want a happy hour beer, great. If you want dinner, great. If you want to stop by for appetizers at, uh, later on after dinner, please do. But see if there's any way it fits into your schedule. If not, then please pay attention to Twitter and, and retweet or, uh, or comment on anything that I might take a picture of or shoot out your way as a member of the Unplugged Army to help get the word out for them if you could, if you can't make it. I would, I would really appreciate that. Speaking of which... Do you see the sign that is over my right shoulder? Yes, it is. And I just pointed correctly. By the way, I did a promo last night and the Rattlers noticed right there the Rattlers bottle opener. But since we have a keg, we do not need it. Uh, General Mike is off camera, but he's sitting beside me. And General Mike, it's the official first time on Beer Friday presented by 100 Mile Brewing Company. The Lighting of the Lamp. Yeah, that'll be hard to time out next time. The lighting of the lamp, you know, like that. And, but it's cool. I have figured out the point. I'm like Jeff, we production. I'm. That's the best pointing I've ever done. You are way better than the Ohio weatherman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you've never seen it, Google it. Uh, we don't have time. We don't have four minutes to play it for you. But you've got to watch the Ohio. Just just Google bad Ohio weatherman, and it. For me, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen if it doesn't include falling down. The guy can't figure out the green screen, and he keeps running into his own hand and pointing at the wrong state, and then he's doing all this stuff. And then what's hilarious is later on in in the weather forecast, it says Lewis's forecast like you're really going to believe this guy like, oh, I want Lewis's forecast. And it's just hilarious.
5: It is the worst video quality ever, I think, yes. but it is the greatest four minutes you could oh ever my watch on YouTube. I,
0: it's 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 side splitting. It's hilarious. And it's not going to end like there's because it's a student broadcast. Nobody knows what to do. Because nobody wants to go out to the student and say let's just let's just finish this you know and he doesn't leave so it's four minutes of I, 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 and then he loses his place in his notes and he starts repeating himself and then when it's over, these two attractive young blondes with bright futures who think they're going to make it in television go. Thanks, Lewis. Like, thanks, they, Lewis. Like, why not even bust him? <laughs> wow, thanks, Lewis. It's got to be stuck to be you right now. But it's okay, you know. Hug it out with the dude. It, when's the last time he got a hug? It would have been. It would have been fantastic. I want right. to know
5: what Lewis is doing today. That's that's great. I don't want to know actually. <laughs> He's probably a very good weatherman,
0: uh, but maybe he learned. Hey, TVs, TVs. Maybe I'm, I'm a I'm a behind the camera dude. You yeah. know, maybe he learned that. If you could, General Mike, the official pouring of the beers of Beer Friday, I I'll be right e- in. I didn't even know the beer fit besides Sparky. This is a Mountain Amber Ale. It is officially my favorite beer in the state. I absolutely love it. Thank you, General Mike. Um, cheers. Oh, I'll wait. I'll wait till uh, everybody gets their beer before I pour it. If, uh, you got to come in. Say it for cheers. Say it for cheers. To the holiday season, everybody be safe. Cheers. cheers I didn't get you, General Mike. There you go. I'm happy. <laughs> Just, oh, for those of you that are strugg- struggling with your religion, there is a God. Just, I mean. How would we as society have, have been where we are without this? Oh, oh well done, Jeff for your production. I forgot. Yeah. Oh yeah, Hundred Mile Brewing Company two hundred two. Just it's the place is inches, like officially feet, but inches south of the two hundred two, right where Rural and Scottsdale Road all come together easiest way to get there is if you are headed southbound on Scottsdale Road Rural turn right into Macayo's and then just go back and go right through Macayo's right past a hotel and when you about when you get to the hotel you're going to go and I'm sorry if you have kids in the car but you're going to go Doug what in the hell are you trying to get me to go to? What is this? And like You're going to be so confused and then as soon as you get past the hotel you're going to think well that was easy it's this big white building hey this is nice alright and you're going to open up If you're headed northbound, you're kind of screwed. The best way to go if you're headed northbound is to turn left into that whole new development area right before the 202. Turn left into that thing. And then just fight your way north after you get past all the nice buildings. And say, I'm just going to figure out how to get north. Doug said, just get north. And then once you do that, every time you hit a wall, just drive around the wall. There's like two walls that get in your way when you drive north. And then suddenly, way over on your right, you'll see a white building. And go, I think that's it. Now I realize why Doug said go southbound, because it's just a mess going that way. I, I figured it out on my third time. Big glass windows with, you can
5: see the, the beer vats.
0: Yes, yes. The then you know you're in the, in, in the right place. I love the place. Okay, I, I, this is probably off the record, but Mikey of Bell's Nashville Kitchen says he's ended up there twice a week now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you great. can imagine, he, you know, he wants, he always wants to sample other places, food, other places, beer and stuff like that. But Bell's Nashville kitchen, if you don't know, it, it's crazy the way they care about freshness. They've got like, it's all chef inspired food. And I'll, I'll always tell you this story. It amazes me that they do this after I got to know the kitchen. They, you would think if it's a place that's fresh, they would make your, the coleslaw that day, you know, and like to say, okay, every day. They make the coleslaw. Every day they make the coleslaw. Throw out the coleslaw from yesterday, make it fresh today. No, they don't do that. And before you go, well, that's gross. No, it's the exact opposite. When you order coleslaw, they make it right there. They, they don't make 800 pints and then scoop it out all day. They make your coleslaw for you and then either put it on your sandwich, depending on if you've got a hot chicken sandwich, or if you've got a side of coleslaw, they make it and then send it out. They're cutting the cabbage right there. Is Mikey a chef himself? No, he's not. But he's worked in restaurants for so long, he's worked as a cook yeah. before. And, uh, and, and that's what amazed me when I saw that. that wow, there's, there's, there's saying that you want to be fresh and then there's, holy crap, you guys are like nut jobs for this thing. So it's, it's basically, wow, this is really great restaurant food. Oh, by the way, there's you know, a guy playing country music over there, which I admit I try to block out because I can't stand country music. I just like that place so much. Like I don't care. I like it enough that I, I, I go anyway. Um, so there's a, my, my haunts. Uh, I love those two places. Uh, but I'm a West Sider, so I got a couple places on the West Side, too. Uh, speaking of the West Side, oh, my gosh. I'm so glad I have beer before I tell you this story. Honor System says, I can't tell you anything. But I got to tell you, this is hilarious. Over here, uh, there's a desk that sits off camera. There's a non-disclosure agreement that I was asked to sign, which I have to laugh uh, two things about the non-disclosure agreement. Number one, whoever your lawyer is, sir, that wrote the non-disclosure agreement, I am not a lawyer and I'm a better lawyer than your lawyer. I just wanted you to know that. Number two, I wrote all over the non-disclosure agreement on everything I disagreed with, which basically disputes the entire non-disclosure agreement. Thirdly, you didn't take it with you. So since you don't have the non-disclosure agreement with you, I could take it and shred it. Now, I'm not going to, like, if I was a dishonorable person, then I would say, I don't know what you're talking about. You produce the document. Where's the document? I wouldn't do that. I signed it. I agreed to parts of it. But, so yesterday, I get done, get the podcast up, talk to Jeff Weir Production for a little bit, talk to Izzy, and then I've got a 10 o'clock appointment. So, I I leave. Appointment doesn't go well. Doesn't go terrible. Doesn't go well. Just kind of there. So, okay, no big deal. I'm a little frustrated at myself. I think I could have done better. And I look at my – and I don't look at my phone. I drive back to Goodyear. So I get to Goodyear about 11.15. And then I walk in, I whoop my daughter in darts. She played terrible. She hit the wall 11 times. Like she's like for a 19-year-old girl that plays darts, you know, seven times a year, she's pretty good. She is like the worst performance I've ever seen from a human being. And when I say hit the wall, I mean not the dartboard, not the dart case, hit the wall underneath, holes all over the wall. Now we knew that when we put it, I have a good wife. We have a dartboard in the dining room because why have a dining room dining rooms are dumb sorry if you have a really nice dining room but like i'm not gonna walk all the way from the kitchen to the dining room to eat unless i'm trying to impress anybody and who's impressed by me because i'm wearing flip-flops to your fine dining room so i don't care so we have a dartboard and a game table in the dining room anyway so she hits the wall 11 times she's terrible and then i decide i'm not doing the soft nap in the chair i'm going hardcore i'm going to bed So I go to bed, I lay down at 11.55 in the morning, and then as I'm laying there, my phone goes, and I have this obnoxious elephant sounding alarm to let me know of calendar events. And I look at my phone and my phone says, meet some guy at noon. And it has the station address. I'm in Goodyear. Holy crap, I forgot about a meeting. So I jump out of bed. I start emailing the guy saying, hey, if you haven't left yet or if you're running late, just turn right around, blah, blah, blah. As I'm writing the email and getting redressed, my phone rings. It's Jeff Weir Production. Hey, there's some guy here. Do you? uh, He says he's meeting with you at noon. Ah, Okay. please put him on the phone. Okay. so I talk to the guy, apologize like crazy and ask him, will it ruin his day? if I leave now and get there? And he goes, no, I, I got plenty of time. Okay, great. Uh, uh, he goes, when do you think you'll be here? I said, I'll be there in 20 minutes. And the guy's like, what? Said, yeah, don't worry. Don't, don't ask. Don't ask. I wasn't there in 20 minutes because there was an overturned semi on the 10. And once that happens for us on the west side, we're dead ducks. So I get on the 10, I get around the truck. I didn't get it in 20 minutes, but I got here in 30 minutes with, the, the, with only two lanes getting by on the 10. So I was reasonably happy with that. Then I walk in, so we're good. We talk for a little bit. He's got a whole television set up in here, and he wants to show me this. And then we go over the NDA. I sign it eventually. A lot of negotiating. I sign it. Now, I'm not going to tell you what we talked about, but I'm going to change it into something that we didn't talk about to kind of let you feel how I was feeling. What we didn't talk about, but my pretend, imagine somebody comes into your office and he wants to start a constitutional amendment. And he wants you to be the leader of it. (laughs) That's what this guy did. He had this idea to change, fundamentally change sports. And he wanted me to look at it and then lead the charge and explain it to me. There's just one problem. If I put it through the filter of the constitutional amendment, when he was done and I understood it, he basically had an opinion that really wasn't that crazy. But I knew that there were holes in it that the Republicans would never go for. And there were holes in it that the Democrats would never go for. That you had to fundamentally change the entire idea to get either side to agree to it. So imagine trying to get a constitutional amendment passed when both political parties would be against it. (laughs) Hey, good luck, buddy. And yet he wanted me to lead the charge. And every time I would talk about a point that I'm explaining, this is why it wouldn't make sense. You could tell it was his baby. And then he would argue about it. He would get really bad. I'm not arguing with you. I like the idea, but I'm explaining to you. The people that matter will never go for it because of this. Yes, they will because of this. And he goes, and then we'll get Amazon to sponsor it. They got plenty of money. Okay, that's not how sponsorship It's not just, I have money. I'll just buy it because it's a great idea. That's, they don't do that. They have millions of people come to them with ideas. We just have to get in front of the right person. Okay, I don't have Bezos on the cell phone. I don't, you know, and he's like going crazy at me. And I felt like the biggest jerk. But at one point, and I don't know if Izzy's laughing like crazy. Because the guy wanted all secret is be all secretive, and yet he's yelling in the office, and Izzy's just right out front. (laughs) That's like some secret. And then finally, I had to look at him like, "Hey, listen, I've listened to you for an hour and a half. I've given you a lot of time. I have never been this rude in my life, but I need you to understand. If you interrupt me again, the the conversation's over. Like we're done." oh my gosh i'm so sorry and now i feel like the biggest trick i've never said something that rude in a meeting but it was 30 minutes of him interrupting every time i brought up a point that i wasn't even trying to be objectionable or tell him his idea is stupid i wanted him to know the people that need to vote on this will vote no and he kept arguing no they won't uh, uh, sir i'm in meetings with these people I, li- I i know these people i talk to them all the time They'll never go for it because of this. Says, yes, they will. We just have to get in front of the right people. Oh my gosh. That was his point every time. So finally, I told him, I'm sorry, I'm not going to lead this charge. Why not? I'm like, well, number one, I can't get you to listen. So that's number one reason why I'm not going to lead it. Izzy said he was ready to
5: come in whenever you needed him. To. <laughs>
0: Did he? I, I think he should have come in and just laughed with me because I, like, I was funny for a while with it. And then finally, I'm like, I was losing it. And then he goes, okay. I respect your decision. You don't want to be a part of this. I respect your decision that you don't see the future. That's what he told me. You don't see the future. And I'm like, oh my God. And then he goes, but I realize we're just arguing in circles. And then I about lost my mind. We're not arguing in circles. You're in a circle. So then it finishes off with, will you reach out to so-and-so and so-and-so and -and and -and and, so-and-so and get me in front of those people? And I said, no, I won't. He's what? It'll only take a couple minutes. And I said, listen that's it's not my job to tell somebody hey will you meet with this guy that i don't agree with and doesn't listen well i'm not gonna waste somebody else's time because you're not ready to listen to other people if they come up with disagreements i don't want them to be trapped into the same thing and what's crazy is it's a wonderful human being the dude is a really nice guy and he's unbelievably passionate and i respect people like that so much so I have a great deal of respect for the idea, the drive, and the focus, but it's just, I don't think it's something that we can get behind that's going to work because I know the powers that be. And then he goes, I am thinking. I can't wait to your reaction to this, Jeff Weir production, or any of you in the Unplugged Army that know me and know the story well. Then he goes, I have somebody in mind that if we can get in front of and get him on our team, I really believe this will work. And I said, okay, who is it? And he goes... Ray Anderson, <laughs> <laughs>
5: like yeah, do that.
0: And I said, I, I got to tell you, if you get Ray Anderson, and I said, I totally agree with you. If you get Ray Anderson, that's a great person because he's in those circles, he knows the people to talk to, blah blah blah. And uh, and I said, but then you know you you're not going to want me in the group he goes, why? Do you hate Ray Anderson? I said, no, not at all. I don't hate Ray Anderson at all, but I know that he would, not, he would prefer probably not to work with me. Why? What did you do? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's true. If you don't know, that is way too long of a story. But Ray Anderson and I just disagree in how Arizona State should be run. So, therefore, all of a sudden, us coming together on a project, he's going to be, he's, gonna, he's not going to, well, can you reach out? No, I can't reach out to him. I'm not going to reach out to Ray Anderson and say, hey, I know we don't see things eye to eye. You know what? Maybe I should. This is a guy you need to talk to. and, And let Ray talk to him for a long time. Wonderful human being. But that was my day yesterday where I butcher my own nap, screwed a guy into being 30 minutes late to a meeting, which I feel horrible about, then sat there for two hours with a guy that, didn't agree with just about anything i had to say about his idea yet i totally respected him and i it was so odd and and then it's funny to me now i'd never even talked to izzy about the meeting yesterday so it's funny now hearing from jeff weir production that he was out there half concerned and half laughing at me the whole time and uh, and i would i would have deserved that but here's here's what shows you why izzy is so much of a better human being than i am let's say the roles are reversed and some guy's in here going crazy on Izzy, telling him his ideas is great, and Izzy's trying to explain to him the idea isn't that great. I would have walked in. I would have walked in and I would have said, Izzy, how do you not see this? This idea is awesome. Man, dude, keep pushing. You need Izzy on your side. And then I would walk out. <laughs> I would totally do that, and man, I would be out there laughing like crazy. And I would, and then I would wait until I heard like the meeting breaking up, and then I would immediately start recording. I would, t- I would tell everybody on a recording, "This is what I just did to Izzy." And then when, when Izzy comes walking out, the look on his face—could you imagine how mad he would be at me? And I would just be filming him saying goodbye to this guy. <laughs> Well, Izzy's out there. He's so nice. Should I go in and protect him? I don't want to interrupt. Uh, I don't want to do this. Uh, but, but man, Doug sounds like he's getting sick of this guy. But how funny would it be uh, Like I suddenly want Izzy the bouncer? Like, I outweigh Izzy by 75 pounds, okay? And yet it's going to be Izzy the bouncer coming in to, uh, to save me. Uh, it, was, it was hilarious. It was, it was like, it's entertaining now, but oh my gosh, when I was in the middle of it, it was crazy. And I got to tell you, I really like that guy. I do. He's the kind of guy you'd love to have a beer with and get into a great sports argument. That's when it's fun. But when we're actually like, no, this is oh, poor guy. God bless him. If hey, if I'm dead wrong and this idea takes off, I'm gonna look right at the camera, unplugged Army, and say, Remember that idea that I mocked saying there's no way Jeff Bezos is gonna go for it. Yeah, Jeff Bezos bought it. <laughs> and I would have I would have been the leader of that and made a lot of money. And now, hey, cheers! That's how it would have went. All right. Sound credits today. Hopefully I entertained you with that because, man, that story took a long time. Um, Let's see. What do I got? Uh, azcardinals.com gave us the Kyler I never got to yesterday because I told stories too long, and I obviously learned my lesson. Uh, Then we got JG and Buddha from azcardinals.com, and then ESPN.com gave us some stuff from last night that I'm still... I'm, I'm still laughing at. I, I, I'm just laughing at. All right, let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's Big One today is a general sports topic that I hear from just about every coach in the modern society. And can we put a stop to this? Please put a stop to this. Brandon Staley, I want to be the first person to say, it's not all your fault. Okay, it's not all your fault. You have a quarterback that's fantastic when healthy, but right in the middle stretches of things, there's always some little injury that happens. This year, you don't have your running back, your wide receiver, or your quarterback, or your center. You you keep getting devastating injuries. It's not all your fault. At the same time, results are results. You've got a playoff-caliber team, and you're continually a 500 to below 500 coach, and nobody loses more close games than you do guess what that is coaching okay so you're done i don't know whether you get fired today tomorrow or at the end of the season we all know you're done i get it but this is a comment that he made yesterday that is sweeping america and i just don't understand it can you give me part of that quote please jeff weir production
3: um like i said in that first half it's the worst that you can play, and uh, it was in all three phases. And you know, I take full responsibility. How do you feel about the effort of the players? Uh, I don't question the effort of our guys. Why not? Uh, I, I know those guys. I've been with most of them three years. All right, good stop. Know... Good stop. I'm already
0: done. i I'm just okay. If, if in, in case you didn't hear something that drove you nuts, I'll tell you what drove me nuts do you question the effort or do you look at the effort of your guys are you happy with the effort of your guys whatever that question was and he goes I never question the effort of my guys and then I love the reporter I love the follow-up why not you lost 63 to 21 63 to 21 you had three straight turnovers in a row your quarterback, I don't care that Easton Stick probably misread the blitz, brought it on himself all the time. The guy was under pressure all the time. He went total high school. Not that playing at North Dakota State makes you a great quarterback, okay? Because it's kind of a sad lineage right now of unsuccessful NFL quarterbacks. They had three in a row. And They, they won national championship after national championship after national championship in FCS uh, level. But if you don't know the, the three middle quarterbacks of, their, of the height of North Dakota State, it's Carson Wentz. He got drafted reasonably high. Easton Stick, who I think was third or fifth round, I can't remember. And then Trey Lance. So, yes, I'm admitting, they, they. Doug, how are they doing? They're all bad, but it doesn't matter. Okay, I'm laughing at the point where they had three quarterbacks in a row get drafted, two of them in the top three picks. And yet... You made, these guys look, you made one of them look like a high school quarterback yesterday with what was going on with the talent on the field, the scheme, and then his ability to process. Okay, it was all bad. But then to say, wh- why are we not questioning effort? Jonathan Gannon does that all the time. There's been some beatdowns, oh, I don't question the effort of my guys. Why not? Why are coaches so soft right now? Brandon Staley, maybe if you started questioning the effort of your guys, your teams would have actually won some of these games. It's 63-21. to 21. Don't say these games happen in the NFL. These games don't just happen. These games happen to teams that have checked out mentally. They checked out all week. They happen to coaches who aren't holding players accountable. They happen to players who aren't holding other players accountable. Of course it's the effort. And here's what the other thing that some people don't understand. You can play really hard on Sunday and still question somebody's effort because they didn't put the effort in on Monday. They didn't put the effort in on Wednesday. They didn't put it in on Thursday. If they don't open their playbook all week and act like, yeah, I'll be ready, it doesn't matter how hard they run on Sunday. They didn't put in the effort. I never questioned my team's effort. Brandon Staley, that's why you deserve to get fired, because you don't question their effort. So lately I have been picking on, and I admit it, one solitary phrase out of some different coaches. But we've got to end some of these phrases. We have to in sports, all right? It isn't is what it is. It isn't what it is what it is. No, it's not. It's what it is because you allowed that to happen because you either failed in what you were supposed to do or you got your butt whooped, and sometimes both. That's why it is. (laughs) Just different phrases have allowed themselves to creep into our nomenclature, and I don't know what that word means, and we use them all the time, and suddenly when we keep using them over and over again, they're fact. And I'm tired of coaches trying to tell me we shouldn't question a team's effort when they lose by 35. I don't care what the sport is. It's just ridiculous. You didn't put forth the effort as a staff and as a team. I don't know in what area. It could have been in the area of discipline. It could have been in the area of accountability. It could have been in some other area. Like, take Cliff Kingsbury for an example. And I'm sorry that I just love whipping on Cliff Kingsbury, but I admit it's an anger issue in me for so many people that kept getting mad at me telling me this guy can coach, this guy is the future. And I keep telling you, no, he's not. And you get paid by NFL teams. I don't. You're a millionaire. And I'm telling you, this guy can't coach in the NFL. And yet you try to make me to be the idiot. Now where are you? Sorry. (laughs) That was extremely autobiographical right there. So uh, sometimes you get on a roll and the beer's so good and man, stuff starts coming out. Nothing off the record, but man, I just got close. How's today's show going, Jeff Weir Production? i think it's going great <laughs> who knows who knows what's about ready to come up I mean, after screwing with the nap yesterday and then i had a i had a really you know those bottles of wine that i won a while ago i didn't have the whole bottle but i'm not a wine guy but jennifer came home and she says i'm drinking wine and then all of a sudden i have a glass oh okay and it was like wow this is what is that that's pretty good because you can imagine when i was at the old show We started to do reasonably well financially, so I got into, I still was into my beer, but it was no longer Costco wine anymore, and then after the firing, it's been all Costco wine for like two and a half years, and then all of a sudden, you win good wine again. I was like, whoa, hey, what is that? And now what do you get? You get all of me today. I mean, you get everything. Now, I don't want to take Brandon Staley out of context anymore. Let's let the whole clip run. This is the question about um, first what happened in the game, questioning of the effort, and then I don't know what happens in the middle. ESPN edits it. I didn't watch the whole presser. But then somebody jumps in and starts to question the job security of Brandon Staley. And I, I do I laugh, but I kind of like how he handled it.
3: Um, like I said, in that first half... It's the worst that you can play, and uh, it was in all three phases, and, you know, I take full responsibility. How do you feel about the effort of the players? Uh, I don't question the effort of our guys. Why not? Uh, I, I know those guys. I've been with most of them three years, and I know them inside and out. I'm with them every single day, so this is just a really bad game in the NFL where nothing goes right, everything goes wrong, and, um, you know, it's the tough side of things. Do you expect to be the coach here tomorrow? I don't know that. Do you, do you think you should be? Yes. Why? I know that what I've done here for three years and I know what I put into this and, um, you know, I know that we're capable of going. Uh, I know the type of coach that I am. I believe in myself. Um, but again, this isn't about me. This is about a, a group that's hurting in there. We got to get some rest and we got to get ready for Buffalo. By the way, one of the key stats in this game,
0: and Jeff, we're production. You go, you really put in some time. So you go to bed at when? Six in the afternoon, in the evening? I try. Here lately, it's been more 7, okay. 7.30. Yeah. So you're about at 7. So you have no idea what this is, okay? This is the stat from last night's game, all right? What do you think this stat represents?
5: Turnovers
0: against something. Wow. That's very impressive on your part. The Raiders had this many turnovers. <laughs> you don't question their effort, and they had five turnovers and three of them on three straight possessions. Five turnovers. You lost a turnover battle five to nothing on the road. I don't question the effort of my guys. Do you expect to be the head coach? I. That's, you know, I don't know. Well, that's not a great answer to say I don't know, but it's not bad because you you don't know. Do you think you should be? Yes. <laughs> Because I know what I put into this. Okay, that's dumb. You do, because you put a lot into being a head coach, you deserve to stay as the head coach. I guarantee every member of the Unplugged Army, if an NFL team names me head coach, I will work harder than any head coach in the history of the planet. And we will not win a game. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm going to work hard. I'll, you'll know what I put into it. I mean, I can sit here, and I hope you know this about me. I can critique a coordinator to death. I'm actually good at couch clock management. I, I'm serious. If you ever watched a game with me, I call timeouts on the chair, in the chair. Hey, timeout, 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 timeout. And then they don't call. Like, ah! I'm sitting there watching the game against the Suns the the, Suns the other night. Ah! I just saw them. I just looked at ESPN, and they're promoting the game of them. And uh, Okay, thank you. I didn't want to see that. It's them. By the way, we start all bowl games tomorrow. Did you know that? Nine in the morning tomorrow. Here we go. Go Bobcats. The first Ohio University. But anyway, I'm sitting there when they didn't uh, press after the dunk for the... Press! What are we doing? What are we doing? We got a foul! You got a foul! And I start yelling, and Jennifer's... My dad has been doing this since I was like eight years old. My dad would always say... They can't hear you. (laughs) I need to say that all the time. It doesn't matter if they get it. That still doesn't change. In fact, we need to press. We need to call timeout. You need to hit the three. No, you can't foul there. You know, stuff like that. I do that all the time. And you know who loves it the most? This is kind of a funny story, too. Man, I'm on a roll today. Mark McClune, CBS 5, Channel 3. Whenever I am in the Channel 5 studios... And I am watching like three games at the same time. I am barking all the time. And Mark McClune seriously wants to do a TV show where all you do is watch me watch games. Now, I got to tell Mark, I think that would be one of the most entertaining things you've ever done in your life for about 40 seconds. And then after that, he'd be like, okay, what else is on? This is this is old. Because you wouldn't be allowed to see the game because of broadcast rights. Unless it was a game on CBS 5. And then maybe on Channel 3, I'm in front of a green screen with the game on. And you could see me yelling and parading around. But I'd look funny in front of a green screen. You know why? Because I would have Bobcat Green on. And then you would just see a face walking around. I have a sneaking suspicion I'm not going to ever watch today's show. Like, I'm not going to go back on on demand. I don't want to see... All the gyrations and, and, and the crazy energy today. But it's beer. What? Close. Beer Friday. Just look at the Shane Doan cone. The Shane Doan gnome. The cone put, just points perfectly at, uh, at the Beer Friday sign. All right. I bet at some point we should probably hit a timeout and I should probably stop acting like Doug's big one was 40 minutes long. Coming up next, all Cardinals 49ers. Let's do a deep dive. We got Kyler. We got JG. We got Buddha and we have to look at this and there's one question on everybody's mind are the Cardinals going to lose 63-21 to and not have their effort questioned? that is the question it's next on Doug Franz Unplugged presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at at Wild Horse Pass I'm on a roll today I just really wanted to say it's Beer Friday presented by our friends at 100 Mile Brewing Company and I butchered Whirlwind I'm a great endorser watch me but don't question my effort
2: They're about the team, man. They don't care who gets touches, who scores, who has a big game. Like they just want to win. That's, that's that's pretty cool to see and that's why they're where they're at right now. You know, they're unselfish and when they get their chances, they make plays. Here is Sue Riggler talking about game day at 100 Mile Brewing Company. Game day here at 100 Mile Brewing is less than a mile away from ASU. So game day, we have the hockey game at Mullet. We've got basketball at Desert Financial, and we have football at Sun Devil Stadium. We have free parking, and you can actually even walk over. We've got a parking garage with eight floors, so we'll never run out of parking, and it's free. So it's it's always a buzz and fun to, have, to watch the games here.
0: 100 Mile Brewing Company. Fresh. It never gets old. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 6022-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. the revenue generating portion of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by World One Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass that you just heard. Uh, before it ended, I yelled out at Izzy, hey, did I tell the story about that guy well? And he started laughing, and he said yes, and uh, but he didn't say anything about <laughs> my joke that I would have played on him. If the roles were reversed, I definitely would have come in and said, oh, I agree with this guy. Man, he's awesome. Izzy, you should change your mind, and then walk out. Um, I've always told people that I work with this. I will never stab you in the back, ever. Now I'll walk right up to you and stab you right in the eye socket. I don't care. I'll just tell you that I'm doing it. Hey, I just want to let you know I got a meeting with the boss today, and I'm going to tell him I think you suck. You know, <laughs> just hey, if it comes to that, it comes to that. You do what you want. I think it's rude to stab somebody in the back, but I'll I'll tell you. I mean, if they ask me, I'm not going to walk right in and say, "Hey, I got to tell you, Jeff Weir Productions just not getting it done." You know, I'm going to take a bullet like crazy for Jeff Weir Production, but. If somebody asks the question, "Hey, what, what do you think of Jeff Weir production?" then I'm just going to be blunt and say, "You know what? I I don't think his beer pours are up to snuff on Fridays, and uh, and well, that's that's more important than anything else." Is that why Mike's here? He replacing me? <laughs> that's funny. No. Because officially we've never—I've never actually seen you pour, so that's why I was smart to uh, to say it that way. Oh, this is wonderful. Yeah. I'm oh, by not, the way, I'm not great. Just to let you know, Jeff, we we're production. The uh, the the last pitcher is now. Did we pour it, or is there any beer left in the pitcher? So there's a little bit of beer left in the pitcher, but there's no beer left in the keg. All right. So we have finished our A Mountain Amber Ale keg. So we need to go there and see if they've started canning A Mountain Amber Ale because they're planning on doing that this month but they didn't have a firm date yet mm. or if we need to go get another keg. That
5: sounds perfect. And,
0: and good be, enough. We'll be there Saturday. So. Yes, yes. We'll have that conversation. You know what? I need to text Sue and Todd and, and let them know. Here's our plan. All right. Let's get to like real life content instead of Doug just yelling at the camera. Uh, but hey, I'm having a great time today. You might hate today's show because I brought zero content. But all that matters is your commander in chief's entertained. And it's like th- like people always ask me, what what does it take to be a good talk show host? Oh, it's easy. All you have to do is be very immature, easily entertained, and never get outworked. If you could do those three things, you got it. And I am 100% three for three. Doesn't mean I make sense or I'm actually entertaining. I just know I'm easily entertained. Let's start with Kyler. Did you notice Senator McCain is looking straight at the keg? (laughs) I have to tell you. When you started the comment with, did you know Senator McCain... (laughs) It totally freaked me out because my love for that man. And no, I didn't always agree with him. But my love for Senator McCain, the human being, is huge. So here I am laughing like crazy. And you say, did you notice that Senator McCain? And I'm like, what? I thought I upset Senator McCain. I did. And it's like, there are certain people in my life that have total control in a moment's notice. OK, Senator McCain is one of them. If he says something, yes, you know, I, I straighten up. Another one, there's a guy named Coach Keith Robinson. If he walked into this room right now, and I, I don't know if it's politically correct anymore. I don't know what we say. We probably, I started saying lines when I was a soccer coach because I understand if you think yelling suicides, it's, it's, it's fine. It's like hey, That's what they've been called forever. Deal with it. I get that. But in today's society, that's actually a politically correct thing that I accept, that I don't want to actually call it suicides when we're running lines. But we all grew up with the term being called suicides, sadly, because none of us would have committed suicide then. And now it's like unbelievably scary that kids, something negative goes in their life and they actually think that's an, op- an option. Please, God bless them. Hug it out with them. Let's bring love. But so I don't call it suicides anymore. But I guarantee you, if Coach Keith, Keith Robinson ran in here and yelled, Suicides! On the line! I wouldn't, like, start running, but I would get up. I mean, I would get up, okay? And I, I'd start to move. Another one is uh, Charlie Luce, one of two, pe- uh, two people on planet Earth that call me Dougie. I really don't like the name Dougie, and so please don't offend me and say, Hey, oh, I know what you don't like, I'm going to call you Dougie. I, just, I, don't, I don't like the name Dougie. I always thought it was silly. However, Charlie Luce has always called me Dougie, and it would be very, like, I would be uncomfortable if he ever called me Doug. And, and, and it has all these, just like a coach, it has all these ways to be said, you know? If I do something great, Dougie, you know, like that. And then I didn't hear that very often. It was normally, Dougie, you know, like that. I, yeah. Sorry. I realized what I did as you're yelling. I get it. I get it. And then the other one, of all people, sadly, he's passed Pedro Gomez. Pedro Gomez used to call me Dougie. And it was, Pedro Gomez had this gift. Boy, am I on a roll today. He had this amazing gift. I don't know how he did it. I do not possess this at all, and I'm so sorry that I don't. He made you feel like there's nobody else in the room but you. You were his whole focus. And yet, everybody in the room felt like that. Everybody did. I don't know how he did that. He filled in for Wolf a couple times. And the first time he filled in for Wolf, man, I admit, I was a little geeked out because I'm an out-of-towner. I've come to town. It's 2007. We're doing a grocery remote, which grocery remotes are hilarious because every old lady thinks because you're wearing headphones, that means you're in charge. So like I'm on the air and this old lady will go, where are the they used to be in aisle three and now i can't find them and she's like yelling at me while i'm trying to yell at texas a&m sperm banks or something it's just just so strange like i don't know what's going on it was crazy and here's pedro just wonderfully take his headset off and he go i don't know but i think i was walking around and i think i saw him in aisle six so nice and then i looked did you know that no i didn't know that but i I wanted to help her out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so he's just such a good man there's a pedro gomez story all right, all right anybody ready for content yet look at uh, the monitor what no? look at the monitor Oh, look, at, see, that's, rude. that's your new lower third. That's rude. That's rude. <laughs> I just said that's rude. And what did Jeff Weir Production do? Because I ripped you for your pores, even though I've never seen you pour, uh. Then, uh, then I get that. I would love for that to go away forever, even <laughs> though that was funny. Uh, I, I've always hated that name. But if you're Charlie Luce or Pedro Gomez, it's like, hey, you know, that's, that's nice that you think like that. All right, Kyler. You know what I'm going to do now that Jeff Weir Production did that? I'm just going to start firing sound knowing he's not ready. Kyler, go.
1: um, Buys are always tricky, um, especially coming off an injury uh, and having to deal with, you know, rehab and stuff like that. Never having to do that before, usually being, you know, normal in a sense, being able to do, uh, you know, take a step back and not, you know, have to still be grinding in a sense. But, um, I, I guess you could say so, you know, um, anything, any time to, you know, kind of rest and, and uh, get some time off is, you know, you could say it's good for the body. So I, I uh, took advantage of it.
0: You might say, why did you play that? That was kind of boring. The reason why I played the bye week conversation is it's such a stark difference in the things that he used to say. I don't know if it's a sign of maturity or what, but he used to talk about the bye week with this disdain where it was really important to him to press upon you that he works hard with the narrative that he doesn't work hard, that for some people, they say it's pushed by unknowing people, people like me who have talked to people in the building actually believe that. I totally believe that because they believe that and I feel like I see it on the field. Other people totally disagree with that narrative, and you have every right to choose who you believe in. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just telling you what I think. He would always press, I don't like the bye week because I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. And this time is the first time he's like, hey, you know, get some rest, relax the body a little bit. It was interesting that he went in that direction. So a slight change in what he normally says. Um, Earlier in the week, the offensive coordinator, Drew Petsing, was interviewed on the Adam Schefter podcast. And he said that, yes, Kyler Murray is a franchise quarterback. Then Howard Balzer, who's a good member of the media, smart dude, asked Drew Petzing, can you expound on that? And Drew just basically said, yeah, I can expound on it by saying the same thing. He is a franchise quarterback. So I don't know if he believes it or he's saying the right thing for right now. We'll find out at the end of the year whether he's being honest or not. But... This is a good follow-up to then ask Kyler, "What does it mean to you that your current offensive coordinator is calling you a franchise quarterback?"
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, obviously, to, to have the faith of you know, obviously JG, um, Drew, Monty, you know, those guys, uh, it means a lot. Uh, it's on me though to to go out there and prove why you know um, they paid me why you know I got drafted all of that you know, and that's that's a battle every single day for it should be for me for, should be for every player so. Um, there's obviously things, you know, different reasons why I play the game and stuff like that. But uh, to have those, you know, for them to have my back for sure is definitely a good feeling.
0: Again, even though I have been incredibly impressed with Kyler game one, and I feel like I'm validating and not believing that he's a franchise quarterback from that game forward, still plenty of time for him to prove me wrong. Plenty of time. So I don't want to deny that. But if that's a change in attitude. I really like the way he handled that question. The old Kyler, to me, would have then been defensive and almost said, "I listen, that's great. I'm glad he likes me. But I, I don't play the game for him. I don't play the game for other people to say I'm a franchise quarterback. I want to win. I put the time in to win. ba da and that time he says, you know what? It feels good. I'm, I'm glad they think that. I'm glad that they acknowledge that that's why they pay me. And that's my job is to, is to be the franchise quarterback. I do play the game for other reasons, but it feels good. They th-. That's a really professional answer. And that stuff matters. What he's never understood is even in press conferences, you can lead your team. Watch a Kurt Warner press conference. Watch a Carson Palmer press conference. Even an Aaron Rodgers press conference. Watch the way they lead through the media. And Kyler has never understood that. And that type of answer shows a great deal of maturity. Now, what's interesting about Kyler saying that, about being a franchise quarterback and that it means something to him, Here's, let me completely flip this. This is no longer a Kyler conversation at all. Is it a boss's job to always get the best out of somebody? Even if that somebody might be, I don't know if we're allowed to say soft mentally nowadays because it's such an insulting phrase. And then also when we deal with, you know, mental conditions now, there's certain aspects of that that are totally off board to talk about. You know me, it's unplugged. I'm just going to bring it and let you decide whether you want to hate me or not. I bring this up for this reason. Matt Leinart is one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. There is an argument to be said he's the greatest college quarterback of all time. I would say he's not the greatest, but I would say he's one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. I totally support the Cardinals drafting Matt Leinart. I thought it was great value where they did. And under Denny Green, there were some pretty good flashes. I mean, there were some wins or losses where he played well. There were games where it showed you this guy's got it. Then Ken Wizenhunt came to town. Ken Wizenhunt kind of destroyed Matt Leinart. So does that mean Ken Wizenhunt's a bad coach? He didn't get the best out of Matt Leinart. He destroyed a talented player. I get it if you say, yeah, that's all on on Ken Wisenhunt. However, it is my total belief that Ken Wisenhunt was the first coach that held Matt Leinert accountable, that it was about the game. And it wasn't about the Matt Leinert show. It wasn't about being a handsome man in a new city. It wasn't about being Mr. USC. It wasn't about being surrounded by talent and getting the ball out. It was about step up. This is actual football. Start being a hard-nosed leader and not leading in a Hollywood way. Lead in a way that leads men into battle and stand up for the team and blah, blah, blah and prove yourself. Matt Leinart is the type of guy, and there's nothing wrong with this. There's a lot of people like that. But Matt Leinart is the type of guy, and I'm saying this, I'm saying that it's factual based on everybody that I've talked to and what I think. But obviously this is opinion. If Matt Leinart is here, he might blow up at me and think I'm insulting his manhood. But to me, Matt Leinart is the type of person that he's fantastic as long as everybody around him believes in him. If he, if people believe in him, he's a type B personality to me that he wants to go out there and he cares about, he's such a nice man. I care about you. I appreciate you believing in me. And now that you believe in me, I can go out there and do it for us. But if there's people that don't believe in him, now he takes their, their doubt onto the field. He doesn't, he can take their belief in him onto the field or he can take their doubt onto the field. But there isn't that internal fire that says I don't care what you think. I care what I'm about to do, and I'm about to lead whether you believe in me or not because I know I can get the job done. He doesn't have that. So as soon as Wizenhunt comes in and demands that you take over and do it this way and you start being an aggressive leader and and I'll believe in you when you show me that I should believe in you. Suddenly, it's not there. And now, well, if Ken Wisenhunt doesn't believe in me, what should I believe in me? Do I really understand this offense? Maybe he see, Maybe he knows I don't understand the offense. Oh, and then you go out there with worry. It is a fascinating subject to really talk about whether you're a boss or whether you're a coach or no matter who you are. If it's your job to get the best out of the player based on who the human being is, Ken Wisenhunt could not have failed greater in the handling of Matt Leinart. However... If it's like, if you're kind of of the opinion, you know, Matt Liner's soft then. Hey, deal with it. If you can't prove yourself, if I need to be blowing sunshine up your butt all the time in order for you to succeed, man, I don't have that kind of time as a coach. I got to worry about 53 guys on this roster not making you feel good all the time. So, therefore... I did my job. I put you in a position to win. I put you in a position to lead, and you didn't take it. It's a really interesting subject. It has nothing to do with Kyler, and again, that's why today's show is fantastic from a, wow, look at the silly guy on television for two hours, and I have no idea if I've brought any information or entertainment value whatsoever, but again, I'm entertained. Um, What do you think about the 49ers' defense, Kyler?
1: (laughs) Uh, A lot, a lot. Yeah, obviously, you know they got uh, great players all over the field, uh, rotating in and out every every D lineman on the field. You know they got a a ton of guys over there more than probably anybody in the league. Um, And we know, you know, they've they've, since I got in the league, it's been like that. So um, I'm not gonna say I'm used to it, you know, but uh, gotta be ready for a war. You know, gotta be ready for a war. I know they're not gonna come in here and take us lightly, especially after you know last game we played pretty good. but, man, like I said, man, it's a great opportunity. You know, you're know, you playing probably against the best defense in the league for me um, and for everybody on this offense. We should go out there with a chip on our shoulder and go out there and be ready to execute.
0: I, I love the topic of Kyler Murray. I really do. I, I can't express to you enough – how bad his body language was on the field and how bad his body language was in press conferences and how much murmuring was happening in the locker room or amongst coaches, amongst personnel guys in the past. I, I mean, anybody that tried to tell you everybody in that locker room believes in Kyler Murray, everybody in that coaching staff believes in Kyler Murray, from, from, from the years prior, they're either uninformed or they're lying. Sorry. That's about as bold as I normally get. However, from the hiring of JG on, even though I opinionatedly haven't seen the results on the field from Kyler that I would like to see, there is a a completely different change in tone, okay? The people that I talk to aren't necessarily happy with his pre-snap reads, aren't necessarily happy with what they're seeing from him on the field. But they don't bring up the same challenges of the past that they used to see. And they believe more in how he's handling, for an example, a press conference and something like that. Total respect for the 49ers, but a passion that says, I can't wait for this challenge because they're that good. Now, what would blow me away with Kyler Murray, blow me away is if he actually went to a meeting in the quarterback's room and he was 15 minutes early and came in with hardcore ideas of this is what I've seen on film from them and this is what we can expose and almost become his own offensive coordinator. That's one of those steps as a quarterback that some young quarterbacks don't believe. Like, hey, you're the offensive coordinator, I'll just do what you tell me to do. But that's not total buy-in. And the next level of a great quarterback is you've already come in and you're ready. Rich Gannon's wife knew football at an unbelievable level. And she would shout out different defenses on a call sheet, and then he would bark back to her the protections. They would do that on Monday night. He'd get the partial game plan then on Monday night, go through that on the off-day Tuesday and go in on his own. Okay? The notes that Kurt Warner took – Were unbelievable. Carson Palmer tells the most incredible story about playing for the Cincinnati Bengals with a quarterback's coach that used to coach Kurt Warner. And he would ask Carson to turn in a sheet of the plays and how they're going to be run and how this is going to happen. Stuff that I admit was beyond me. If you didn't know this, Carson, uh, or excuse me, Carson Palmer got drafted as the number one overall Heisman Trophy winning quarterback from USC. You know how many snaps he played in his rookie year? didn't play it down ever his rookie year the whole time they went with John Kitna as the starter and then when the year was over they told John Kitna good job going eight and eight you had a good season and you're the backup that's it we're not even having a quarterback competition we drafted Carson to be number one but we wanted him to learn from you all year halfway through the year with Carson Palmer and all of his little notes and the OC just dealing with a quarterback's coach just dealing with it whatever it was He tells the story, and I actually was there when he told Kurt this the first time, and it was hilarious watching the light bulb conversation. He said halfway through the year, that coach pulled out the same assignment that Kurt Warner did. He said, here's Kurt's for this team. Here's Kurt's for this team. Here's Kurt's for this team. And then showed Carson his. It was almost like... You're turning in a paper, your first paper that you had to write. Some kind of small, three-page, junior high research paper compared to what you do in grad school. It was that difference of a level. And Carson said he almost wanted to throw up. He had no idea he was that far behind what an elite quarterback does to prepare. Because imagine your whole life, you think you work hard. You think you prepare hard. And then you see in your face what somebody else does and the quarterback's coach waited till like halfway through the year now if Carson was here he would say Doug the story was like this I mean I would be wrong on maybe the week that this was presented maybe it was preseason maybe it waited to the second year I don't remember I just remember the awe that he had to talk to Kurt Warner and Kurt had never known that had never known Carson saw his old notes that's how much work was put into it and to me that's not something kyler has understood he just comes in oh what do you want me to do okay OC, i'll try to do that there's that next level that he hasn't reached yet opinionated statement by me but you should know this one's fun i just you know if i'm gonna bash kyler i also want to show you him having fun too and i don't even think i'm bashing him today to be honest um if you re- remember us playing Trey McBride two days ago on Wednesday, Trey was funny talking about how much energy he has and how often in the huddle Kyler Murray tells him, "Hey, you gotta calm down. You gotta chill. We don't need to get excited like that." And uh, it was funny. He was Kyler was now asked about the Trey McBride celebrations and how Kyler feels about him being so hyped up.
1: Uh, I mean, you see his, his celebrations are a little awkward. It's just like, it's like, it's, you know, it's, um, I think, you know, his swag will get better as he, you know, as he's, uh, keeps having success. But, um, yeah, no, nah, you, you know, tight ends, you really don't, you know, you know, you never know what you're getting with them. So, um, love it though. Love it. Want him to play with that edge. Want him to play with that chip. A little bit of craziness. Um, got to have it, you know, and he's, he's, uh, he's got a
0: good mix of all of it. So. Before I tell you. Let me ask you, how did you feel about that? What did you think about Kyler saying he'll get a little more swag as we go along, but we want that energy? It's one of the things I don't like about any player, and I do think Kyler possesses this, and I don't want this in any player. It seems like there are a lot of players that put swag over winning. Do you ever feel like you watch a player that cares more about the style of how they do it than whether the job gets done? Sorry to throw somebody under the bus. I feel like that about Cattell Marte sometimes. It seems like about twice a year you have to have a conversation with Cattell Marte and say it's not about how cool you pick it and swing the arm up. It's not about how smooth you look on the throw before you throw it into the dugout. Get the guy out. Do the job. Don't worry about, oh, my gosh, that's such a hard hit ball. It might hit me in the face. I need to do something. No. Take it in the chest. Let's get the out. I feel like that about him. I look at Kyler Murray sometimes, and I kind of get the feeling you care about the swag of the play and how you are made to look in the play and not about just get the job done. He was open right here. Give him the ball. Let's go. Let's go. Make a decision. Get rid of the ball. Just do the simple. Do the simple sometimes. Now, Patrick Mahomes has more swag than just about anybody else, but he has always gotten away with it. Now, there was a famous statement by Chris Collinsworth where sometimes he he said, sometimes I don't need the look away all of the Mahomes. Just make the play. Man, did Collinsworth get ripped for that because it's so rare that the swag of Patrick Mahomes gets in the way of the play. Was it an unfair criticism? I, no, because it was factual, but gosh, it's it's hard to take when it rarely gets in the way. Some guys really can win with swag, you know? Some guys do. I don't have that at all. I don't have that at all. I was the guy that came into the game, no points, two rebounds, three fouls, took a charge, and probably ran into a cheerleader. Sometimes that was on purpose. If the ball went out of bounds, anywhere near a cheerleader, even if I couldn't save it, I'm trying to go save it. And then, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Are you okay? All right. All right, eight four eight eight two nine five. You know, and then, and then you, you walk away. Uh, I don't know why they never called, but you know, that's what I would do. So I look at this and I say, Kyler, I don't. Trey McBride doesn't care about swag. He just cares about winning, and he's so jacked. I want that. I want winning to be so important that you don't care how you look. That might be wishful thinking, um, but not a horrible quote. Just you know, you can see where that edge is in in Kyler. All right, this one's deep. I love this. It was started off as a question about Brock Purdy. He's Mr. Irrelevant. Kyler's the number one pick overall. So I don't remember what Mr. Irrelevant was that year, but let's just ballpark it. Pick number 257. All right? Jeff Weaver Production, will you actually look up the number that Brock Purdy was drafted? Just Google Brock Purdy, choose Wikipedia, and about halfway down the right-hand side of the page, it'll say what number he was drafted. I'm going to just ballpark it and throw out 257. We'll see if I'm even close. But he was Mr. Irrelevant. The very last pick of the draft for the San Francisco 49ers. 262. 262? I said 257. Not bad. Close. Not bad. Not... Like, you're not impressed? Like, this is like, I was within that range where I'm impressed with myself, but you shouldn't be. (laughs) Like, you know, like, hey, I got the job done. All right. I tackled the ball and I got, I one hopped at the first, but the guy's out. All right. Cattell looked smooth. He he looks smooth. Like, he guessed 261. He looked smooth, but he's still wrong. You know, it's kind of like that. All right. Anyway, um, he was then asked about quarterback draft failures, that what is the difference between guys that get drafted and just fall off the, the horse and we never see them again, and a guy like a Brock Purdy who gets drafted as Mr. Irrelevant, and right now he's playing the best football.
1: Uh, I, I w- he's got to be a dog. You got to have heart and sense. To, to break it down you can't yeah I, got, I can't go to war with a guy that don't got heart I like
0: that uh, he's got to have he's got to be a dog now here's the difference it's such a fascinating answer Kyler are you a dog on Monday are you a dog on Wednesday even more specifically are you a dog on Tuesday night at the end of your off night Monday night going into your day off you got a day off coming up on Tuesday Do whatever you want. But are you doing nothing but studying the 49ers Monday night? Or does somebody have to put a clause in your contract? Please work. Please do the job that other quarterbacks do. Where where are you on that? So when you say a dog, I agree. There is nobody that hates losing more on Sunday than Kyler Murray. I like that competitive fire. But it's got to be every day. It's got to be every day. So I agree with you. You got to have that dog. But dogs bark every day of the week, Kyler. Every day of the week. All right, this next one, you're going to hear the world famous Paul Calvisi. I don't know who Paul is. I don't know if I've ever met Paul Calvisi. But Paul asked a question, and I asked for the question to be included on this. And the reason why is because I wanted you to hear this pause. There's a pause between the end of Paul's question and when Kyler actually starts answering. And it shows you... Just how deep this question was. And it was, are you starting to feel the rust get knocked off? Are you starting to feel alive? You've talked about these games were preseason for you. Where are you? And I I, I found this answer interesting. Pittsburgh, that, that game was sort of akin to your final preseason game. How much rust are you still sort of working through and knocking off at this
1: point? Um. I mean, as a quarterback, as a player, I think there's always plays that we want to have back, and we look at, um, I should have did this, or you know, mentally, where was I at when I did this? How can I slow myself down? How can I, you know, um, do whatever I did differently? Um, and I, I think that that felt like for me against the Steelers that it's just starting to slow down. You know, I was seeing things; uh, it was a lot slower, felt more comfortable out there. Um, And you can just tell, I think as a a player, you can tell when it's, you know, when it's slowing down a little bit. So uh, that that was good to feel, you know.
0: I wanted to play that one for you, for those of you that disagree with me. I know a lot of you, I see your tweets. So many of you are very respectful. I love it when you disagree with me in a respectful manner. You make the show better because either you're right and you force me to see it through a different prism. or. You make me change how I discuss it so I can try to convince you that I'm right. But it's great. I mean, that's great A-Mountain, Amber Ale, beer conversation at a bar when we respectfully disagree and you've got great points. I love that. And I think it makes Town Hall Tuesday great. So I want to be fair to you by playing that portion of Kyler. Boy, does this make today an interesting game. Or, excuse me, Sunday an interesting game. There's Kyler explaining that things slowed down against Pittsburgh. Meaning, I'm understanding the offense. I'm understanding not just what Petzing wants from me, but I'm understanding how to get. Oh yeah, Jeff, we're production. Um, I'm understanding. He he came in for the pitcher. I, I'm I'm understanding not just the offense, but how the defense and the pre snap read, post snap validation fits into the design of the play. Sometimes Drew Petzing might make a an okay play call, but the defense is totally stacked against it. Does Kyler see that the game slows down mentally and no, I got to check out of this play and get to this play. Okay. How many times have you heard somebody sit beside you at a game or talk to you about a game? Oh, the play calling's terrible. Well, sometimes the play call against that defense is terrible, but it was the quarterback's job to change it. He didn't see it. When he says it's slowing down for me, that, that's a huge point. Now, does he know what he's talking about? It's going to be tough to use San Francisco, one of the best defenses in the NFL, as the proof positive. But if Kyler has a good game, man, does that validate what he just said. And it certainly validates him as a quarterback. And if he gets torched, I think it's okay to say, man, San Francisco's good. But you've got some weak opponents coming up through the end of the year that should be ones where you say, all right, Kyler, you said it's slowing down. Let's see it. All right, let's completely change gears. Since I just told you about uh, how good that, uh, that, that defense is for the 49ers, here's Jonathan Gannon talking about, as a guy that's a defensive coordinator, what, he, what impresses him about San Francisco's defense.
2: Their unit, the strength of them is the unit. Um, Talked about it today, they're they're very physical. They're violent. They play for sixty minutes. They bring it for sixty minutes. There's no lulls and effort and and hitting and um, you know. And I truthfully think that you know it's it's. Um, how do i say it it it's actually kind of cool to see and watch that they're about the team man they don't care who gets touches who scores who has a big game like they just want to win that's 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 pretty cool to see and that's why they're where they're at right now you know they're unselfish and when they get their chances they make plays so i don't know if there's one key guy i think they're all key guys truthfully you know the strength is the unit
0: love that answer. By the way, I'm pretty jacked up. I haven't told you this today. In about 10 minutes, we'll have Steve Gilbert on. He is the beat reporter for the Diamondbacks, and we haven't talked about the winter meetings hardly at all this year. So I want to get a deep dive into D-backs on a a beer Friday, give you hardcore Cardinals, and say, hey, here's about 10 minutes of D-backs to give it to you. So I want to bounce around, so I'll get to that in a minute. Um, The situation there, Fred Warner's unbelievable. I hate the 49ers. Uh, Do you remember this from uh, a Beanie Wells that I thought was a favorite. Do I still have a... a oh, maybe I don't. No, oh, that stinks. I, uh, maybe I must have gotten rid of that one. But he said, I hate the 49ers. He just came on really hard and said how bad he hated the 49ers and then torched him for like 30 yards. Typical Beanie Wells. But he... Uh, yeah, I was being serious when I said that number. So, I like what he's saying there, and I love Fred Warner. I think this guy's unbelievable. I love the 49ers defensive line. And he and Jonathan Gannon refused to highlight individuals of that 49ers defense. He said, it's basically, they're all good. But it's how they play that makes them so great. I like that. So that's going to be huge because they are always on the same page. It's hard to get a blown coverage against them. On the flip side, here's two quotes about the man. We, we, everybody knows Christian McCaffrey is one of the greatest players in, in offensive football today. The problem is he never makes it through all the entire season. And uh, yes, we are going Baker. And what's crazy about that is Christian McCaffrey continues to prove this time and time and time again. That if, if he's healthy, he's amazing. Well, he's been healthy all year. So here is Baker and Coach talking about Christian McCaffrey. Let's start with uh let's start with Buda Baker of as a safety What do you have to do? What does Christian McCaffrey bring to the table that's difficult?
6: Yeah, um, you know, a lot of other running backs in the league aren't playing receiver, you know, aren't playing X sometimes, Z receiver slot, you know, he's kind of, he's an all around back, a guy who can be, of course, first down, second down, run back, but also third down, you know, come out the backfield, they even line him out, you know, at certain various receivers at times. So all around great back, one of the best backs in the league, and it's definitely uh, exciting to play against them. You know, I haven't played against these guys since Mexico, so I still have a little bad taste. My mouth with them. So it's definitely something excited to just compete against one of the best teams in the league. I
0: know that sounds simple but the difficulty of that answer okay he's the x receiver so that means they break the huddle christian mccaffrey runs out wide well he's so good you can't just guard him cover him with with a safety you got to put a corner on him so now you got your corner on him and now you've got a safety or a nickel corner on other receivers okay now we're good we're ready and then brock purdy looks at that and says you know what I can get a better matchup. So now they motion McCaffrey into the backfield. Oh wait, now he's a running back. Okay, now you line up on him. You line up on him. Okay, I got the back. I got the back. Boom, it got snapped. Wait a minute. What just happened? And McCaffrey's in motion and you 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 lose. Now two guys are covering one. Somebody didn't get the message. And to the average fan, it's, how did you let that guy open? Debo Samuel's one of the best receivers. How did he get open? Well, Christian McCaffrey's good, too. And you got really worried, and the communication didn't get told. Somebody missed a check, missed a sign. That's all it takes, one little motion, because McCaffrey can do it all. And you might say, well, why don't they do that with every receiver? Come on. If all of a sudden Doug Franz runs out of the huddle and I line up out wide, they'll call the down marker dude with the chain gain. Hey, you cover Doug. We're okay. We don't have to change anything. It's just Doug. All right. And no, it's not Dougie, Jeff. It's just Doug is out there. So then they don't have to adjust when it's Christian freaking McCaffrey. Everybody runs around like crazy. Jonathan Gannon, what do you see from CMC?
2: Yeah, I think it's a. I mean, it's a blended. They got a really good old line. I think that that's where it starts, and then schematically they do some things that challenge you. And you know, I've, you've heard me talk about Cal before, like. You know, when they when they got Christian, you know, they use his skill set accordingly. They use Juice's skill set accordingly, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, Jennings, you know, all those guys. They use, they put those guys in positions to make plays, and that's to me a sign of a really good coach.
0: Really good coach and really good talent because the problem there is no team has the skill personnel wise to stop them all. You might have the corners that can stop DeBo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, but that probably means you don't have the girth to handle the strength of Trent Williams on the line and Christian McCaffrey can run right behind him. So then you go girth. We're going to so we're not going to let McCaffrey beat us. Okay, you've got girth on the field. That means somebody with too much girth is on George Kittle and now Kittle torches you. Each guy on that offense can expose Whatever you want to take away, somebody else can expose something you can't take away. That's what, and I love that answer because, yes, Christian McCaffrey may be the best back in football, but the creation of problems trickles down to everybody. And he didn't say it. We don't think we have the personnel. So you now have to blitz or you now have to scheme to double team somebody. You now have to help a weaker link in stopping whatever aspect of the 49ers that you think you're weakest at stopping. You've got to help. Well, that feeds right into somebody else exploiting you. That's the problem. Okay, last one. Uh, I just I just care about a local kid. You know, I, I want I want the Cardinals to win. I would love to see Brock Purdy throw for 400 yards and the Cardinals win. I root for local guys. Perry High School product. Coach, what do you see from
2: Brock? Really good player. Plays at a high level. I mean, gets the ball quick, decision-making, accurate, can make all the throws, runs the system, I mean, runs the offense. I mean, you know, he's in your top echelon of people. I mean, look at their record, look at his numbers. It is what it is. If anybody wants to
0: say, Brock Purdy's a system quarterback that lets you know they don't know football. There's been a real big scuttlebutt about that lately. Brock Purdy's a system quarterback. How many different systems does this young man do well in before you say he's part of the system? I'm not going to say he is the system, but he's part of the system. And you look at all the quarterbacks of the 49ers that weren't able to win big games. And look at how much that team fell apart when Brock Purdy got hurt in the playoffs. Don't say he's a system quarterback. Just say he's a winner who's in a system that exploits his talents. All right, coming up next. Let's do some D-backs. We got a World Series team. We got a team that went to the nation- that won the entire National League. So what have they done in the winter? And what did the Dodgers do in the winter? Steve Gilbert, Diamondbacks Insider. Going to join us next on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass.
4: It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area. Literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location and believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're we are now.
0: Okay, for those of you that are watching right now on WTSMTV.com, I want to let you know that we just woke Steve Gilbert up, and so we're not going to expose him to the video camera and have his shining face. I love Steve Gilbert's shining face because I love the way he wears his hair because it's exactly the way I wear mine, and I just, I just really appreciate being one with Steve. So I wanted to put his face on air, but I realize when you just wake up, it's okay. We won't do that. But if you're listening to the podcast, Amazon, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, or Apple, hey, what, what do you care? You get the info. Unfortunately, you wouldn't have seen his shining head anyway. Steve, how is, how is life? How's
6: the family? How are the dogs? Everything is good. Yeah, we're all doing well. Thank you very much.
0: Good. It's been a long time since we talked. How much have you missed me?
6: A ton. I can't tell you. Like, like I miss... The one thing I miss about COVID is you sitting in your recliner asking Tori Lovello questions <laughs> post-cam. I... <laughs> Looking like Archie Bunker back in the day. It was awesome.
0: Oh, my gosh. For, for those of you that don't know, one of the top five rudest moments in broadcasting <laughs> was we would sit there on the Zoom calls, and Gil actually worked. So he would be in the press box, but then he would then you know z- log in on Zoom in the press box, and sometimes he would be at his house. And he thought I was... Either borderline unprofessional or just too funny not to comment that I would be sitting in the recliner like why do I have to get up it's a zoom call I don't care and I would be laid back and I would say Tory what about blah 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 like that whatever my question was well one day Steve just all of a sudden said Doug sit up like he texted me sit up like that I'm like what is this I'm trying to listen to the presser and the next thing I know Gil takes his own video down and puts up a shot of Archie Bunker and now Tori is talking, and all members of the media are laughing like crazy. Tori has no idea why people are laughing, because what he's talking about isn't funny. And I'm getting mocked openly, and I'm trying to look right at the camera. You know, hey, Tori, I'm focused on you. I'm not focused on Gil's Little Games. So it was total political hack, but it was absolutely hilarious, I admit, totally. All right, I, I haven't brought content all day today. The show is from 6 to 8, and all I've done is giggle and laugh, and it's a beer Friday. So I've, I'm already two and a half beers in. How many beers have you had
6: today, Gil? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm still working on my first coffee of the day. Then, we'll, oh. then we'll worry about the beer. But <laughs> I, I'm glad I could bring the content here in the last 25 minutes. Thank you.
0: I appreciate it. How was Nashville? What did you learn about the Diamondbacks before the winter meetings that you didn't know?
6: Uh, I, you know, I think what I what I learned is is that they're. When they say they're aggressive this time around, they're really aggressive. I think they have some money to spend. Um, I think they've been aggressive. I think they've looked at all the different avenues. Um, you know, they've made two really big acquisitions here, like getting uh, the third baseman that they were looking for in Suarez, getting a, a, adding a starter to the to the rotation. I mean, it's it's. It's been an impressive offseason so far, and, and listening to Ken Kendrick the other day, it sounds like uh, they're, they're not done yet, and then he's willing to, and ownership is willing to spend the money, and and they're still going to find themselves a hitter, whether that's like a J.D. Martinez or a Justin Turner or somebody like that. I mean, they're, they're serious about uh, taking advantage of this competitive window that they find themselves in.
0: I totally agree with that. So, therefore, I ask, do you have any speculation on what they're going to do next?
6: Well, those would be two names that I'd keep an eye on. I just, you know, again, just from knowing what they're looking for, I think those two guys would make sense, both right-handed hitters, both with some power. Um, You know, again, there's a a number of teams looking out there, but there was a lot of teams looking for pitching. I think, you know, when we went to Nashville, you looked at, okay, uh, you know, for MLB.com, all 30 of our writers will will do certain uh, things for the offseason. And one of them was, you know, what's your team's biggest need? And like 25 of us had, had put down starting pitching. So, so you, you <laughs> thought, well, they're going to have trouble finding somebody. How are they going to find somebody? And, and, you know, are they going to be outbid? And, and what's it going to be like? And, and sure enough, they pull some, they pull a guy who's, uh, you know, near the top of this group of free agents, not at the top. You know, there's obviously some, some guys above him, but, um, you know, a, a top flight free agent. And, and they did it uh, before a, a number of other teams that, that, that wanted him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, I know you're so much nicer than me that you would never actually fully agree with this statement, but where do you jump on this ladder? Okay, I was on 12 News last week. We were talking about the winter meetings and Cam Cox said, would you consider the Diamondbacks, or he said, would you consider the Dodgers the favorite in the National League? And I said, absolutely not. I consider the Dodgers 100% the favorite in the National League West. They will 100% win the National League West. That's without a doubt. But they still have Dave Roberts. It's a non- covid year he'll still choke and they still won't win the national league so it doesn't matter the national league is up for grabs the west is not now for you i ask you about the diamondbacks unless you want to join me in my roberts rip i don't think they're winning the west but well, do you look at them okay. in the same way that they could be a world series team again
6: uh well i don't i don't necessarily join you with the dave roberts the dave roberts <laughs> i knew you team, wouldn't but, but, you're, but, nice but you're, person. you're 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 entitled to that. Oh, trust me, I've got plenty of people that we could spend some time talking about, but let's not go down that road. Um, But I, I think I think you're right. I mean, I think, look, what they proved last year is that if you get hot at the right time, if you get into the playoffs, anything can happen and I and when I say get hot at the right time I'm not taking anything away from their talent I'm not taking away anything from from what they accomplished but I think if you look at baseball with these expanded playoffs uh you know even since they added the wild card you see that every year the team that plays the best at the end or or gets hot in the playoffs is the one that goes to the World Series not necessarily the team that wins 100 games during the regular season so whether that's a good thing bad thing you can debate that all you want but that's just the way it is and and you know what they accomplished last year, you can never take away from them. You can point out they had 84 wins or they were outscored and and that's what makes their offseason so interesting is that you have a guy like mike hazen who takes a look at the situation and doesn't say hey you know what we're a world series team and and we can just rest on this and and we're going to get even better because our young players are going to get better yeah um he looked at it and said hey we got outscored during the regular season hey we only won 84 games during the regular season we got work to do um and i think that's what if if, if i was a if i was a fan uh, of the Arizona Diamondbacks, not that I root against them, but not that I root for them in my job. What I'm saying is, if I were if I were you guys out there, a fan, uh, I'd be very excited that that my general manager had that kind of uh, had that kind of rational approach to the off season. This is a,
0: a name out of nowhere, but do you remember Pat Listash?
6: Oh yeah, I worked for the Brewers when. Uh, oh my when Pat yes. was there. So I bring I was that up. was in PR, so yeah. I bring Great
0: up guy. that reason for the. For, I bring up his name for this reason. If you remember his rookie year, holy crap. I mean, that yeah. guy would get his own room in Cooperstown and then boom, crash and burn. And, and I'm sure he worked hard. I'm not trying to mock him, but he never no. was able to recreate that. So I'm only using that name to set up. None of us know what the future of Corbin Carroll is. But that was the type of rookie season where it's one of the top lines on your Hall of Fame plaque, okay? And he's got a long way to go to be a Hall of Famer. But I asked the question anyway, where's he going next? Like, what, should, what are actual fair expectations of Corbin Carroll, who just did something in a rookie year that's never been done in the history of the game? Not the history of rookies. Never been done in the history of the game. What should we expect for 2024 from that kid?
6: You know, I don't think you can count out anything from Corbin Carroll. I think, you know, and, and Hazen, you know, again, here, here's, here he is talking about his team and he looks out there and he says, you know, Jordan Lawler is, is, a, is there one of their top prospects. Probably going to be in the big leagues, maybe not at the start of the year. We'll see how that goes, but at some point. But he said, you know, there's a learning curve for all these guys, except for Corbin Carroll, he threw in. Not everybody is Corbin Carroll, and it's, it's such a rare thing. That I don't know who you compare him to, rookie wise. I I think this is a this is a kid that that is constantly looking to get better, is constantly focused on baseball. It Doesn't matter, uh, you know how popular he becomes or how interested people are. He his focus his first focus if you if you look at him in the clubhouse is baseball, 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 mm-hmm. and he's constantly looking to get better. He has a notebook that he carries with him. Um, and, and each year, you know, Tori had talked about th- These guys talked about it before he even got to the big leagues. He has this notebook and at the end of every year he comes up with goals for the offseason. And when they have these exit interviews with guys, no one's been more specific than he has about this is what I'm going to get better at. Not only that, but here's what I'm going to do to do that. And here's mm-hmm. the, the equipment I might need to buy and here's the, you know, whatever. So, listen, the sky's the limit for, for him. Um, and again, it's, it's, it always feels, um, unfair to put certain expectations on him but geez we had we had a ton of uh, unfair expectations on him coming into this year and look what he did
0: that's a great answer all right last question you know there's always some guy that shows up to camp terribly out of weight uh, out of shape there's some guy that shows up to camp where you said wow. you're talking about media you're talking about media wise <laughs> you're talking
6: about no, media wise it's, it's usually all of us
0: no it's always me and you know it so then <coughs> if, if it's somebody else that, that shows up in incredible shape somebody that's got focus blah blah i don't care what the storyline is even though it's only december who is the guy you already can't wait to see what they've done in the off season how they've accepted the off season you can't wait to like write a story on this guy for 2024 about his spring training
6: wow that is uh that that's a great question to hit me out here at seven forty-five in the morning doug you know we're still two months out from spring training i feel like i feel like we we just got done with the world series two days ago so uh i feel like i've just seen all these guys i mean I, 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 listen i i think um i mean there's a lot of guys that you want to see how they follow up last year um But I'm curious to see how Cattell looks this spring. I mean, he uh, had an outstanding year last year. I I don't think he got some of the credit that he deserved um, simply because he was overshadowed with some of the attention that that the other guys got. Um, Certainly, I think he should have been an all-star. I think that was uh, an unfortunate omission um, because he really does make that offense go in in addition to Corbin. I mean, he's a dangerous, dangerous hitter when he's swinging the way he was last year. Um, He came to camp in – He's always in shape. Uh, I think last year he came more flexible. I think he was had more, um, you know, range. He had he had that kind of thing working for him. And I'm curious to see this year if if uh, if that's the case again. Because if he, if it is, he and he and Corbin at the top of that lineup. I mean, we saw what how dangerous they mm-hmm.
0: can be. That's awesome. A. Eugenio Suarez was my number two answer to that question, and Cattell was my number one. So I just yeah, this is going to scare the crap out of you. You totally agreed with me. So great job. I'm so well, glad let me to say re-answer. we agree. Let,
6: let me let me come up with a different answer. <laughs> all right, hey, free golf <laughs> on me when you're ready in the off season, all right? All right, well, I don't know how to golf, but that's uh, I'll, I'll ride around and, and we can just chit chat. How's that?
2: Hey,
0: I'm good at that too. And then you can watch me swing a golf club 100 times. All right, love you, Gil. Have a good off season and I'll see you in spring training.
6: All right, sounds good. Good talking
0: to you. See you, Steve. There's Steve Gilbert, MLB.com beat reporter for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And with the audio issues, that that completely screwed my clock up a little bit. So thanks to Steve McCollum for being patient before we uh, we jumped in. Uh, Steve, let me ask you the same question I just asked him. Even though Dougie? Like, Dougie, doggy, doggy, doggy. Thank you. doggy. I sh- I should have known that would happen. Thank you, Steve. I, yeah, I should have you known know that would happen. You don't
4: announce not to call you something and then not expect to be yeah. announced. To be I, I should.
0: I should have known that would happen. Um, tell me about that, that last question I just asked. him. I know it's like like this is the last thing on your mind right now, but is there somebody for the 2024 Diamondbacks that you're kind of like, all right, what, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to back up what you did? Or are you going to, like, finally rise up and do something?
4: Or somebody you're afraid that did well is going to fall on their face? Wow. Uh, I guess I guess uh, Marte would be my uh, – That's sister. amazing. That's all three of us. You, okay. me, and Gil. I didn't, yeah, I didn't hear the, the answer. Yeah,
0: yeah, he said Marte, and yeah. then I didn't answer it until I told him. You know what? My answer was yeah, Marte, yeah. too. I,
4: I, le- I legit didn't hear your answer. But, yeah. I mean, you don't have to worry about the young guys because – you know, we saw that this year, right, uh, yep. where they sent you know McCarthy down and some other guys down, and then they came back up and performed. Uh, so, no, I'd be more worried about a veteran guy, yeah. 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 What's, uh, what's coming up on the main event? Uh, Friday, man. Bowl games starting tomorrow. We're going to be picking yes! those, of course. Yes! Uh, Beside, uh, you know, all the, all the games are crappy. Uh, what? Extremely... Myrtle Beach Bowl against Georgia We're... Southern?
0: We're at 9 in the morning. Let's go.
4: Yeah, the, uh, there's nothing like the Myrtle Beach Bowl, folks. That, uh... Hey, we kick it off. There's no bowl season without the Bobcats. Brooks Stadium... Well, I mean, it's no Barstow Bowl. from life. At least people will be able to watch it this that's year. True, that's true. Well, I was able to watch it. I went. <laughs> yeah, And I then know, got flipped off by the, the coach's wife. Barstow.tv yeah. last year. Uh, but we're picking those, of course, NFL talk. And uh, the NFL, uh, like you, is drunk uh, today <laughs> uh, after last night's game. Uh, that was just zero point last week and then 63 last night. Okay. Are uh, you with me
0: on Doug's big one today? And I know this always hurts for you to agree with me. That you're um, tired of a coach saying, I don't question the effort of my guy. No, you turned the ball over five times and lost sixty-three to twenty-one.
4: Uh, but Brandon Staley is an analytics guy, and analytics is telling him, and it has been telling him for a year, year and a half now, that he sucks as a head coach. So <laughs> I don't, I'm not surprised he uh, he has to say that, right? Because he can't blame himself. <laughs> uh, Every time he looks at that an analytics sheet, it's just right at the top, and it goes, "You suck." <laughs>
0: I don't, It's amazing that he's not figured out fourth downs as, as amazingly that, analytic
4: as he is. He came in all thing. guns
0: a-blazing yeah. and then just stopped. Yeah. It's like, boy, you talk about somebody that went totally, well, totally
4: gun-shy. It's just every year you look at him and you're like, what? Well, but I mean, the, uh, I thought the team quit on him at the end of last year. Yes. Uh, and it's obvious this year they've quit on him completely. Like, nobody's paying attention to him. Uh, you got the injury problem. But I think a lot of that, a lot of that injury problem, as you know, is if you want to get up in the morning and go to work, you kind of play through those injuries or you get back faster. And these guys are slow rolling these injuries because they just don't want to be there with the guy, and they know he's fired. Yes. Uh, So uh, we'll be watching the uh, line to see if he's fired today after that performance (laughs) last night. Because there were reports that uh, the owner there, whoever's running the the show now, because it rotates between the kids, uh, uh, was uh, at the stadium last night saying, I'm done with this, I'm tired of it, it's over. (laughs) So we'll see if he gets to have the ax today. Uh, Dougie, have a good one! (laughs) I was gonna ask you one more question, but
0: after the Dougie thing, no. Dougie, Dougie, Dougie versus Vegas, Dougie, Dougie! Uh, Jeff Weir Production, if there's a mic control for the other camera, we can cut that. Do I have to? What is this? What is this? <laughs> Who's We're steaming on? up on you today, Doug. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whose side are you on? Okay, I I need some help. Jeff Weir Production, as I'm yapping. I know you're not a gambler, but find this anyway. The websites that I look at, I haven't found the line yet for U of A, Wisconsin. I don't even care what the line is. U of A's winning that game. So I want to see it. So if anybody could quickly get me that information, I would like that. In the meantime, let me tell you about versus Vegas. Number one of last night, really happy. I am really happy with what I did. Sometimes taking the bad juice is to your advantage. Last night, I told you I like Montreal plus the one and a half, knowing the juice is bad against Pittsburgh. And, uh, or that was two nights ago. And I got that. This time, I went the opposite way. I looked at Brooklyn, and I said, back end of a back-to-back, having to deal with the Denver Nuggets, travel to Denver, not just airport to airport, but airport to then hotel in Denver, playing at elevation against the best team in basketball. I didn't like that spread, though, minus 9.5. So I said, I don't love it, but I just don't see Brooklyn being within that spread, so I'm going to take Denver. Why was I worried? Denver annihilated them last night. Denver won 124 to 101, so I crushed that game. I go one and zero on the night. Why was I nervous? I mean, it it went exactly as I thought. Brooklyn looked tired, and it's hard to do that coming uh, coming into Denver. So I wish I would have figured that one out on my own and not been as worried and helped you make more money. But at least I got it right. So that one and zero mark gets me to 1056. 964 and seven again under the magic threshold of 53 percent but still over in units thank you alex bregman and thank you rory mcelroy for giving me some uh some big ones and being able to help me out all right coming up this weekend when i look up and down the games uh of the weekend number one tonight Carolina is a better team than the Nashville Predators. Carolina, however, played the Red Wings and then flew home. Nashville then goes into Carolina. Nashville at Carolina. The juice is around minus 170. Not great, but I love Nashville plus the goal and a half. I, love is too strong. When I say I love it, I'm like, hey, even if you've been a little nervous about gambling, you might want to jump on that. I'm going to go with I like. What well, I like Nashville against uh, Carolina, and I like that a lot. Okay. Another game, U of A. I think U of A is light years better than Wisconsin, all right? So, Jeff, we're production. Is there any chance you got lucky and you were able to look up the line for U of A, Wisconsin? You know, I couldn't see it either. That's my problem. I have two websites I go to, and they didn't have it listed. I went to
5: my MGM. I I, I use MGM, and it's not on there.
0: Yeah, that's a struggle. That's weird. And uh, let's see. The game's at 230. So let me look and see if ESPN uh, has it. Wow, tickets are only $85. Like, that's expensive, but it's not as crazy as I thought it would be. Wow. They say they don't have a line, but they say Purdue is predicted on their game predictor. But they don't have a line either. So... I'm going to do exactly what I did last weekend. It was kind of funny. So many people kept coming up to me. Hey, did you play it? Did you play it? I told you going into Friday. I don't care what the line is. U of A is covering the line against uh, Wisconsin. If ESPN is predicting Purdue to win, there's a chance I'm getting points with U of A. Like, so let me set the line myself, which it's like, that's nothing. But I'm going to say they're going to set the line at at U of A plus one and a half. I don't think it's going to be a lot of points. But that means if I take U of A on the money line, I've got positive juice. So let's say it's borderline plus one twenty. I'm just telling you, I don't care what it is. I'm taking U of A on the money line. I'm saying they're beating Purdue. I'm not putting it in the love category, but I think Edie, he's a little stiff for me to be in love with. So would I want him on my NBA team? Yeah, but I'm not gonna like run to the podium to draft him, okay? But with Ballo, I kind of think Ballo's gonna be able to beat him up a little bit. And I have the suspicion the refs want a game where they're not fouling either of these two guys out so if it's physical i'm gonna take ballo all right if it's a physical game and they're calling fouls i'm a dead duck they'll protect edie and man that i just cost you money but i i like that um matchup a lot in favor of u of a that doesn't mean edie's not going to have a good game I just think he's going to have to work so hard to, to do well that I like the I like U of A being able to get the win. And then lastly, I'm sorry. I don't care what the spread is. The 49ers are killing them. I don't care. Officially, it's plus 12, fine. I, I don't care if it's plus 15. Okay, 49ers are killing them. So I'm going to take San Francisco minus the 12 on the road. That's as massive as you get as a road dog. Or excuse me, as a, as a home dog. I'm taking it anyway. 49ers minus the 12 over the Cardinals. Those are my three games. Nashville with the puck line. U of A, and I don't care what the line is. I'm taking the money line, and uh, there's no way that uh, the 49ers struggle in covering that one. I'm taking them minus the 12. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Still got plenty of time, but start thinking about it over the weekend. Unplugged at whirlwind.com of either buying yourself a present or buying Somebody else that you know, if you don't want to spend $300 on somebody, I get it. But you can buy monthly and cancel any time. Just give them like a month of it for only $34. Make them a January member of, the, of Unplugged at whirlwind.com. And if they're on Whirlwood Plus for a month, they might love it so much they do it themselves. But it's worth it. Tomorrow birthday party 100 mile brewing company unplugged army not a sanctioned event but a heavy ask is that fair to put it that way a heavy ask. Try to get out to 100 Mile Brewing Company in Tempe, Scottsdale Road, Rural Road, and the 202. I'll be there. Ballpark around 4 o'clock or something. Please come over and say hi. Sit with the family. Have a good time with us. Need a breakfast burrito? Go to Burrito Express. Have one a sports bar? Go to Rosati's Ray and McQueen in Chandler, but only the one at Ray and McQueen. And of course, any issues with your electrical, your plumbing, your heating, and your cooling, call Parker and Son. 6022 Repair. That's 602, the number two. R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. The main event is up next. Dominate your weekend.